Alright, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 87737-GRIND. Um, so, before we move on from that game, speaking of the Packers and the 49ers, um, I think the key for besides of just weathering that first storm or hitting first for Green Bay, of course, is protecting the football. But also, can you still get Aaron Jones going in the run game? And uh, can this line uh, kind of withhold 49ers front when we talk about a Bosa and stuff like that with this particular team like they did last week with Dallas? Because I think even as good as Jordan Love has been playing, uh, what really has helped him, besides of his weapons of disposals and these receiving core tight end, has been Aaron Jones in the running game. And and LaFleur is slowly but surely uh, getting in that category for me uh, to that one of those coaches that can draw a scheme somebody open on pretty much every play. It just comes down to executing and can you win your one-on-one matchups. Um, because I think both of them, and really LaFleur, uh, definitely would deserve uh, a vote or two at minimum uh, for coach of the year based off of the job because this is not easy to do uh, when you replace and you leave a legend like that. Even if you have a, you know, a plan, you know, a, you know, a, a plan going forward in place like they have a Jordan, you, when you actually still go through it and you have it, and you still got to go and execute it, and there's certain per- pressures that come with that from the coaching standpoint and even from the particular player. Um, I really, um, again, I'm going to have foundations out in the morning. Um, still want to look at some of this stuff. I, I, I kind of want to see what I'm waiting to see if there's any line movement in either one of these games. I mean, because really what you have, you know, out of this slate of games, this four-piece we got this weekend, I mean, you got two of these. Uh, really almost three because I borderline put Tampa in that one. Uh, you got some large number spreads that are anticipating these to be kind of lopsided, but I feel like it's going to be one a little bit off base on one of these. And I really believe, my gut tells me that the Packers game, I believe, is going to be closer than what uh, what is being indicated. I don't, I, I'm not going to go as far as say they're going to win this game, uh, but I feel like they have a shot to do that um i just don't believe what we saw last weekend um despite how unprepared dallas would looked you know despite of whatever the case we want to say what's going on in big d um i don't believe that was a fluke and i don't believe the last few weeks before keep in mind um you know on thanksgiving day i mean they went into detroit and got detroit you know and and that particular game wasn't really as close as maybe even the score indicated. I remember that game. So this Green Bay team has gone into some places against some upper echelon 2023 teams, and they've gotten the job done. It didn't look that way early on. 
I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, it is a process to have a young quarterback, even though he's been sitting there for three or four years, actually going through the real game reps. And also, I've also told you that play calling is an art. It, it everybody there's there's 32 jobs, there's 32 OCs, but the reality of it is they're not all created equal because sometimes some of these guys are Picassos. And and at the end of the day, the chemistry between him and Lafleur, you could see that it has basically gotten better and better. At as it a time has gone on, eight seven seven three seven grind. Um, also, so that's going to be a very interesting game that's going to take place tomorrow uh, at the nightcap. Uh, moving on to Sunday's uh, action, uh, Sunday is going to get kick started uh, early on with a matchup of the Tampa Bay Bucks going into Detroit, uh, looking for Shawshank redemption. Uh, these two teams played early on in the season in Tampa. I think it was like week four. I want to say somewhere around there, week four, week five. Um, at one point, I think Detroit had gotten out on Tampa about 20 to six. They were up on them 20 to six. This, this is what I will say. I think um, Detroit kind of lost their way after that game, shortly after that. Because remember, you know, I think it was the month of November or maybe even October. There was a tough stretch Detroit went through. I mean, their defense was getting gashed. Uh, their defense was giving up points. Uh, Jared Goff went into a turnover machine. Um, but they kind of weathered that. This particular game, and I've always had this philosophy too, um, you know, especially, you know, division opponents, you play them twice a year. And the old adage goes for division opponents, you know, you can know your division and you can kind of know how to draft and how to scheme and how to recruit and how to sign free agents based off of your competition, your division, and you play them twice a year. So there's a chance you can get one up on a guy on a team in a division. You can just dominate them. I lie Kansas City over Denver 16 straight. Um, you know, you talk about uh, look at other divisions. But when you talk about playing a team that's not in your division, twice in one season it's tough to beat that team twice in one season um tampa bay is coming in at a six and a half point underdog in this game it's the second shortest number on the weekend uh speaking of detroit laying six and a half um look before we get into the x's and o's i kind of wanted to take a little bit of time to reflect on how dan kimball really dan campbell got to this point and how he really built this and kind of where they are now. If you remember, um, I believe it was his first year. They were on the verge of going 0-16 or 17, really challenging the word. I mean, I think they got to like 0-12, 0-13 or something like that. I mean, it was grueling. I remember, you know, Dan getting emotional at the podiums. You know, people were saying, did we make a right? decision with this you know this is a guy that said hey we're gonna bite your kneecaps we're gonna come up and take an arm and we take that arm we're gonna take a toe you know this guy and all of a sudden they're on the verge of repeating history and matching the previous Detroit team I think that was his first year or second year if I'm not mistaken what was that yeah 22 I mean the the turnaround here yeah 2021 uh three and 13 record three thirteen uh -huh. and one uh -huh. but they had that tie in there yeah 
Uh, then you go last year, mm-hmm. you nine st- and eight. Yeah, but they started. But the key into this, though, before you speed to that nine and eight, let's start where they came from. Last year, they started off zero and six or one and six or something like that, one and five, right. and that's the point that I was going to get to. And they were that- uh, 0, 11 and, I was oh eleven and one through week twelve right. in twenty twenty one. Right. So that's kind of what I was going to lay out, and then basically with that said, um, along with that. There was chatter during that one and five, zero oh and six, that people in Detroit and other people in Masses was looking to chop head, let go of Dan, and then all of a sudden they go on that run, and they finish the season at nine eight, missed the playoffs. They had a chance going into last week of the regular season last year, but they needed help. They missed the playoffs. They got a road in, a win on the road in Green Bay. And then they come into this season and they shot out like a cannon. So it's crazy to really put that in perspective for a team that was on the verge of doing something twice in their franchise going 0-17 to the fact that going in year two from that, you're losing the first five games of the season, five to six games of the season. The ownership you know, kind of rides it and sticks it out with you. And the next thing you know, you're going in here and you're one game away from playing the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. Um, They've got some work to do because I believe Todd Bowles um, has really got this defense humming. And he's a very good game planner when it comes down to how to attack a certain opponent. Now, Detroit has been lights out at home. Now, this game ain't in prime time, but it's mid-afternoon around 2 o'clock. But they've been stellar at home. But, you know, Detroit has a lot of weapons. They've got a quite, quite a few weapons. Uh, but I think Todd Bowles is going to be up for the challenge uh, when you look at what his defense is doing. Now, the question I have when you go to the offensive side of the things for Tampa is Baker Mayfield. And this is one of those that I had in the docket. Like, this is one of those games – that Baker that could really change Baker Baker Mayfield's career uh, going forward. We we know the details of it. We know kind of where he's been and the story of him coming out of OU, and we know how that's played out. We don't need to rehash that. But if you look at the fact that technically Baker got an opportunity based off of a situation, and a situation meaning, and sometimes that's all it takes, a situation where. The Tampa Bay Bucks did not feel comfortable with going with Trask into the season and just going in. When you, when you talk about Tom Brady retiring and you talk about the dead cap money and you really talk about from a team that's used to competing, won a Super Bowl a couple years ago with Tom, Mike Evans, other guys are still on that team. Um, when you look at it from that perspective and you put them in the situation they were in off last offseason, knowing that they were going to be facing $80 million in dead cap money, well, you know what? Let's take a run on them. Let's take a chance. We can get them cheap, speaking of Baker. And Baker has taken advantage of it. And next thing you know, he has this team in a second uh, playoff week in the divisional round. If he would win this game and Tampa would win this game, which I'm going to give them a puncher's chance, I mean, my gut feeling tells me there's a chance they might upset Detroit. And if they do that, um, that really, for one, I think 100% Tampa's going to commit to him. I mean, you'd have to at that point. Um, I think, to be honest with you, um, he's probably done enough for them to commit to him even up to this point, regardless whether he wins or loses um, Sunday. 
but I think that the level of commitment says a lot is going to be riding on the on this particular game. Um, but if he could really, he gives himself really security of the opportunity to stay as a starter in this league if he can win this game. Um, now, in, in what's going to happen, what's going to need to happen to make that happen, I think Tampa Bay, they're going to have to do kind of what they've done. I mean, Detroit's secondary can be had. They can be had. They got cheesed and sliced up during the course of the month of November. I think the kind of offense that you're looking that Baker Mayfield's running with Tampa, it's a lot of quick outs. It's, you know, it's a lot of use of the tight end. Uh, of course, they're going to try to hit a bomb and connect with Mike Evans once in a while. Because honestly, that game last week between on Monday between Tampa and Philly, if it wasn't for the drop passes of Mike Evans, Tampa would have put like maybe 50, almost 60 points on Philly. I mean, the game should have been more points. It's just Mike Evans dropped a touchdown. He dropped another one. I mean, and Baker put it right there on the dime on the one that was a touchdown. He just had the drops. So they have showed that they can work and get Mike Evans open, which I believe, you know, if it hasn't done anything now, uh, Mike Evans could be playing his last game here in Tampa. I still feel my gut feeling uh, he's going to find himself up in uh, Kansas City, um, in my opinion, or somebody, because they've tried to get a contract done. I mean, I think Tampa could go, if Tampa go and win this game and go to the NFC Championship game, do whatever, I still think Mike Evans could walk, because they spent two years trying to get this deal done and this contract situation done with Mike Evans, and they haven't been able to do it. Uh, but I just feel this this is going to be um, I just believe this is going to be another competitive game. I just think Todd Bowles and their defense is a little bit too good. Uh, and, and trust me, it's tough up there. But I think Goff has showed us that he can get, you know, this is an emotional win over your former team. Speaking of the Rams, that was an emotional deal to get that monkey off the back, to get Detroit their first playoff win in over 30, I mean, over 30 years pretty much. It, it's uh it, it, it could be – now, look, they're locked in. I'm not saying they're going to have a super letdown, but it's still a little bit emotional, and I think Tampa Bay's coming in a little bit sharp. I think this is a game that comes down to the fourth quarter. Out of all the games this weekend, out of the, all the four-pack that we got, this is the one that I would be probably shocked the most if it's a blowout. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens blow out the Texans. I wouldn't be surprised if 49ers blow out Green Bay, vice versa. Wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City or Buffalo get. This is the one, I believe, because of defense, because of Baker knowing where his career was going and this opportunity, because trust me, Baker knows this opportunity, and that team does too. And they've played this team twice, and they're non-division. I think that's going to be – a competitive game, in my opinion. I would be shocked if Detroit ran them out of the building. 877-37-GRIND. So moving on to the last one, the nightcap, uh, that gives us, lays us on the feet of the Kansas City Chiefs going to Buffalo, Orchard Park, in Bill's Mafia territory, okay? Um, been saying it all week. Uh, this is what I've been waiting to see. Uh, Kansas City to have to honestly do this on the road because even if they're victorious, they're going to have to go unless there's an upset um, in Texans and Baltimore game. They're going to have to go do it on the road to get to Vegas and Baltimore. So this is what I wanted to see. And like I've been saying during the week, because I've had my ear to the ground. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is embracing the challenge. Uh, I said that yesterday. He's kind of bracing this rivalry thing with Josh Allen now. I also, and I'll reinstate the same thing I said this week, I think, you know, I get it. From a fan standpoint, like, this is a matchup that is going to be similar to what the league did with New England and Indy. Meaning this game is going to be scheduled 
every year almost in the regular season. You might take one year off of this, but this is going to, as long as these two individuals are in their prime, speaking of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the NFL world is going to get this game once a week. And I mean, excuse me, once a year. And you might get it twice a year if they both keep meeting in the playoffs. Um, but what was kind of surprising to me yesterday is that the Bills players, especially the defensive players and some offenses, they're starting to, you know, talk. You know, it was an offensive lineman had gone and probably said, hey, you know, it's funny because it's different now that we're getting different questions. Like usually the questions would be, how are y'all going to handle the crowd noise? How are y'all going to deal with this if y'all go up there? And he said, hey, you know, it's different. Now the question is how they're going to deal with it. How do they have to deal with it going the road? So the player, so it's not just the media that knows, hey, this is something different, uncharted territory for Kansas City, but the players in the game understand what this is and understand that Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City has not normally been in this position. Um, Buffalo's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Um, I'm still pondering on this one. You know, this is one of those that um, sometimes you got to trust your eye. And, and the eye all season, and, and what's crazy about these two teams in this matchup, because I think both of these teams have been through a four-week period of this regular season, this past season, four- to five-week period, where they looked awful, where it was bad football. You didn't know what they were going to make. I mean, I think people question where the Buffalo was going to make it. People always assumed Kansas City was going to come out of this funk. But they both went through adversity. So I wanted to add something to that when we get back, because there's an intriguing rumor in the storyline that's kind of going into this game that's been circulating here for the last uh, 42, 48 hours, 72 hours per se. And we'll touch on that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spin the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing to spin the one and twos this R&B Friday. 
877-37-GRIND. Broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pilnan Whiskey. Uh, Pilnan Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada. Using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier-fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pillin Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich, complex flavor. And also keep in mind, Pillin Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and the official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour. All right. And it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right. So... Um, yeah, so sticking with this Kansas City and Buffalo game, um, one of the things too, you know, not only can they do it, but you, I mean, it's crazy to think, and I, and again, I had to double check and look at it. I'm like, yeah, this is Patrick Mahomes first playoff road game in his career. The only other thing that counts when he hasn't played a road game has been the Super Bowl. All the others have been an arrowhead. So this is different. And it is going to be intriguing on how he handles it and the whole team handles it. Now, a storyline that's percolating, uh, which I know Kansas City Rob tagged me in a tweet yesterday. I heard about it and came across it over. I think I heard it like on CBS Sports, the pregame show. Somebody brought it up in passing. Uh, But the uh, circulation around Kansas City is that there is a potential that this playoff run, no matter how it ends, good or bad for the Chiefs, that this could possibly be Andy Reid's last run. And if you listen to this show for a while, even some of my new affiliates, I think I've said this for sure in the last 12 to 18 months. um, I've always said that that is the one thing that I feel that the Chiefs fans and Chiefs kingdom really need to keep their fingers crossed on that one. Because without a doubt, um, you take Andy away from this team and the chemistry um, and how things go. And I don't really care who they would replace it with, but it's going to be different. And that right there will have a decision to where it could have a ripple effect. Because we already know Travis Kelsey's talked about it. He's thinking about it. So, you know, if you have a situation where it makes sense when you look at Andy Reid's age, when you look at what's gone on in his life personally over his career with his children, um, losing one kid to suicide, other one losing to time in jail for DUI, uh, it's been a lot that's gone on in the Reid family. So it, do, it wouldn't shock me at all um, if he feels like this is enough and I've had enough. You know, I was able to get two Super Bowls. And that way, and especially if they would prove a lot of naysayers wrong like myself and go win a back to back. And now that's three. I damn sure could see that, you know, one of those situations arrive in the sunset. Now, with that said. Could you imagine winning Super Bowl or losing? Speaking of this Kansas City run. If this would be it for Andy Reid, could you imagine how attractive this job becomes because of the quarterback situation in the front office? And can you look at the candidates 
that because I'll tell you this right now with this out here and I, I know it got going in the Kansas City area it got really whooped up on their local feed and their radio and their sports talk talking about it but like I said I heard about this last weekend in passing I just didn't brought it up because it's been you know with so much stuff coming off that one day holiday but I guarantee you with that report out there and the report now there's some pause with some of these candidates out. And this is why I go back to say this looks so horrible for the Dallas Cowboys to ride it out and bring it back with Mike McCarthy when you have grade A premium stuff available. Look how attractive this job becomes. Patrick Mahomes, do you understand the coaches, veterans are young, that defensive-minded, offensive-minded would want to rush to this situation in Arrowhead with their front office and Patrick Mahomes? Could you imagine, let's say, Andy, oh, okay, that's it. And then Bill Belichick pick up the phone and say, hey, Arthur Blank, not so fast, my friend. Hold on. I'd rather go take a chance with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I will tell you this right now. You know, me never meeting the man, but reading about him and understanding the level of competition and how competitive this man is, speaking of Bill Belichick, he would know, you know, the million dollar question would be even in some scenario that would play out. And let's say they go on to win or they lose this weekend or they go on to win the AFC championship game or they win the Super Bowl again. And Andy starts to quits. If Bill hasn't got a job by then, if he would go coach the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, there's a part in the back of his mind. I know it because I said the same thing about Jerry. Are people going to give me credit for that? Is that going to be enough to solidify? No one's talking about this, but I've thought about it. Is it going to be solidified to sit there and say, I won one without Tom? If I would follow Andy Reid and go coach the Kansas City Chiefs? But even pushing Bill Belichick to a side, this would just automatically be one of those once-in-a-lifetime job openings. Because under normal circumstances, with the level of success of Patrick Mahomes, which I do think I credit a good chunk of that to Andy Reid, but due to the fact of his physical skill set and his leadership role and the way he sees the game, um, his arm, normally jobs like this in the NFL, ain't gonna, with Patrick in his prime, not even really gone in his really prime prime yet, about to enter his prime prime years, jobs like that with that type of quarterback usually ain't coming available. Mm -mm. It's not happening. Now, with that said, and when you look at the candidates and you look at what's going on, um, I also know Adams put it out there and they're starting to circulate multiple reports that the Las Vegas Raiders are looking to make it official and hire Antonio Pierce, um, which I, you know, happy for Antonio. Um, this is one of those situations that I think if, what happens didn't happen a few years ago. I don't care what Max Crosby threatened to request a trade or whatever. I think that if this is true, I think this has a lot to do with the way things went a couple years ago and not trying to make that mistake the same way, which I think is totally two different things because Biscotti, I mean, not Biscotti, but um, Basaccia, he's – I still don't believe he got the same reaction that Antonio Pierce has gotten from this locker room. I mean, I think Derek Carr probably did one of his best leaderships. I don't know what the hell happened this year in the 504, which we'll get to them shortly. But 
I think, you know, he did one of his hell of a jobs of leadership that year. But I think with um, Antonio Pierce getting this, I think it's a gamble. I really do um, on the Raiders because I feel like, you know, again, it's no different than a quarterback coming in his first start of the year, his rookie year or whenever that gets. You know, same thing even you're talking about a Jordan Love. But it's always the same thing as a coach. Like when you get film, when when other coaches and people get film on your habits as a coach and your style and what kind of scheme and how do you coach, you it becomes more how you attack that. And I feel like with Antonio Pierce, not taking anything away from the brother, but I will just tell you, a lot of this is emotions that I feel like, you know, the whole thing with Josh McDaniels, as bad as that was and how rebellious that locker room was, how much they did not want to run or do anything for that man. I think when you put somebody in the personality and a former player that's still kind of young and you put him in that locker room for leadership and Antonio Pierce and the way he articulates himself as a team to the team and the players because they can still relate because he's not so far removed from being a player himself. There's a lot of emotion and a lot of adrenaline that goes with that. And that can catapult in the last few weeks, especially when you have no expectations, when you're just an intern coach. But now that you're going to go through an offseason and now you're the head coach and now you're going to get a three or four year contract deal, it changes things. And, and it is going to be interesting that once people get familiar on how Antonio Pierce is catching, because you, if you're the Raiders, you just got to hope that this is it. Because honestly, other than growing up in Compton and understanding running the Raiders, Antonio Pierce don't have that. It ain't he's not a Raider. I mean, he's not a former Raider. He's bought into and sold Mark Davis and that locker room that he understands what the Raiders are about. And, and maybe that's half the battle. Because Josh McDaniels coming from whatever the Patriots weighed or whatever, maybe he didn't understand really or didn't uh, you know, he was reluctant to buy into the culture of what playing for the Raiders and coaching the Raiders is all about. Um so we'll see how it plays out, but for all indications, it looks like Antonio Pierce is going to get that gig uh so that takes away two now you know we started with eight openings now we're down to six so we've got six left and we're going to see how that plays out uh per se so you can take that and what's interesting to me about that because i think tom brady is going to have some type of interest in stake and a lot of people felt there was rumors there that hey tom might say look you want me to buy in here mark you want me to i want my man vrabel here well now we can sit there and say that potential theories off the books and it really also shrinks when it comes down to that chargers and it comes down to the jim harbaugh situation what's really gone because there are some people thought harbaugh it was a foregone conclusion that you know he doesn't mind living on the west coast there's the desert there's the raiders we'll take them off the books if this is true and they're going to move forward with antonio pierce so the coaching cycle will continue to go on but can you imagine if this is really bringing it back to this game buffalo and kansas city before we get to the kind of keys to this is that if andy reed if this is really his last gig on how popular this job in Kansas City becomes. What do you got? Well, a couple notes on things you said there. Uh, first, really quick report from uh, Pro Football Talk that Raiders are making offensive changes, though. They're not retaining the interim offensive coordinator and most of the staff on that side of the ball. Um, but then when you go back to Belichick and maybe to, to pick up where you're leaving there with you know the the vacancy head coach for the Chiefs if it was to be Belichick now I understand that Phil Jackson started the success over there with the Lakers after going to the Bulls right he helped Kobe develop into the and the and, and the reign and the era of Kobe and Shaq but 
That would really feel like again a Phil Jackson to you know going from the Bulls to the Lakers, and you're just talking about Belichick going from the Patriots dynasty, take three years off. You know, of course he was still with the Patriots, but then just hopping in and picking up with Pat Mahomes. I mean, in life, you you sought out to see what you want to do for a living, and whether it's a job or a career, you seek out to try to get the best available that you can for yourself. And there's no job right now that's open or even ones that become vacant would be better than that Kansas City job. Period. So when you say it kind of gives a feel of a Phil Jackson, you know, sitting out a couple years and coming in with the L.A., um, I mean, I could see that. And at the same time, I mean, when we talk about that, Phil still got the most rings. I, I mean, I feel like, you know, if you're it, it, part of it, this, even if this scenario, first of all, Andy Reid hasn't retired yet, but if he would, he would quit um, or retire. I won't use the word quit, retire. You have a situation where, I mean, again, I think Bill Belichick would know. It depends on where he's at as a competitor and where he at and what he's really trying to prove. If it's just about, Passing Don Shula, hey, what's the quickest way to go do it? If it's basically about trying to prove, and I don't, and I would say it's more ninety percent more about passing Shula than in the other ten percent is maybe trying to shut up the naysayers and win a trophy without Tom Brady. Um, if it's more about passion Shula, I think he would get it. If there's any reservations of him as saying like, hey, well, you know what? Well, okay, he won, but look what his record is without Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. That's for the media. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't see, you know, depending on Bill, which one is kind of more important. But at the end of the day, can you imagine? Because if he goes and adds two or three, even with Pat, if he would go – Who's you'll have a naysayers that just don't like Bill Belichick and they'll go to that. But when it's all said and done, how many could he get with that? And then now you're seeing what's the deal. Okay. Because I, I can trust me. And as long as I'm breathing on the mic, I wouldn't let nobody move the goalpost on that one. I'd be like, Hey man, the question was not a league coach, but the question was Tommy and nobody's put Patrick in the goat status yet. So no, not yet. Well, they call him baby goat for a reason. Well, it ain't no baby goats, killer goats here. Then you gotta complete it. Ain't no goat. He's not even in the conversation right now. Like I said, it's Joe Montana and Tom Brady, and for the masses, most people say Tom. He has the path. He's off to a good start. I mean, especially if he's able to steal another one this year, that would be three. But uh, I don't know about that. Okay, and all of a sudden, don't let Andy Reid walk away. And then you get a, I don't know, upcoming coordinator, maybe just a coach that's not as accomplished as a Bill Belichick or whatever. And don't all of a sudden let it become dry over there with with, with Patrick Mahomes. Then there's a whole other different narrative. How much of this was really Andy Reid? Because just the same way that people can do it with coaches, I can turn it with players. The same way people want to do it with Sean and Drew, want to do it with Bill and Tom, that would be fair enough to turn it right back to the player. As much as physical talent, arm strength, he would go. If all of a sudden, if Andy Reid would retire, and all of a sudden Pat's struggling here and this, and then, you know, the division's a struggle, and it's this and that, and they can't get the offense going, oh, yeah. That, I mean, I wouldn't take away his accomplishments, but that would be a damn fair question to be like, well, maybe Pat on Andy Reid's on steroids. Maybe that's like being on HGH. I don't know if that's going to be the case. 
But this, I've said it before, man. It ain't Travis Kelsey retiring. It ain't uh, Tyreek Hill leaving. The question for Chiefs Kingdom, if you're going to get the most you can lemon out of this lemon juice called Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be because Big Kool-Aid, Big Red, how much can he stay in? And it's funny to me because I'm old enough to know the narrative with Andy Reid. I knew, I remember the narrative Reid, and I stood right by him. I knew the narrative what it was in Philly. I knew it was those three straight NFC Championship games and only one Super Bowl trip and Donald McNabb hurling Mon Spaghetti on the field against the Patriots. That wasn't good enough. He couldn't win the big game. And then all of a sudden, out of the dust and the rubble of Lubbock, here comes blowing down the draft Patrick Mahomes. So it's going to be intriguing, man. And, and, and I don't think Kansas City is going to have none of that on their mind. The players going into Buffalo. It's going to take focus. I think the keys of this, man, is that I feel I don't know if Pacheco is going to. Because, look, they are getting to the desert off the defense and the running game. I don't believe that all of a sudden this is going to be a plethora of Patrick Mahomes tossing the ball over the yard whether it's in Buffalo whether it's next week in Baltimore or he's got an upset and he's got a hot CJ Stroud coming in Arrowhead to, to me this is going to come down to Spagnola the defensive line and basically Pacheco in this running game and I think tomorrow in Buffalo that is the key and I think the difference is it could be can they be successful as much as they were against Miami with Pacheco running the ball in those conditions. Now, I don't know what the temperature is going to be like quite yet. I know they called back some Buffalo fans to come and shovel again today. I'm like, man, man, you know, it's going to be a damn thing to do up there in Buffalo and Orchard Park just to go shuffle that damn place, okay? Um, but there's probably going to be some chills, some weather. And, and one thing I've always told you, because it went under last week, what did I tell you? Wins in the total. Whatever the total is, pay attention to these wins that gust, and that's what makes it tough, and that's what makes it to where you got to be able to stop the run and run the ball. Well, your yeah. Buffalo weather report, uh, looking at about 23 uh, degrees at kickoff time, uh, wind speed of 14 miles per hour. That's gonna feel Partly like cloudy that day. So a little bit of sun, uh, just a little bit of sunshine. It's gonna feel cold. That's gonna feel like sixty degrees to Kansas City compared to what they played in last weekend, though. Uh, but it's still gonna be chilly and cold. But um, who protects the ball better? Um, that's gonna be key to this. Uh, but who can run the ball and who can stop the run? And keep in mind, this is a different Buffalo Bills team coming in the past. They have really, since that firing of Dorsey, they have really made a commitment to run the ball. Finally, they've got a system and a commitment to the run the ball. I've been telling you all that for years. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing. Spin the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy.
It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 